Last in this series entitled, Isn't It Time? Haggai, some people say Haggai, some people say Haggai. You say, which way is right? They both are. You can say them both ways, and anybody that's got good sense will not call you out because they know if they'd studied, you can pronounce it both, way, both ways. So Haggai, here we go. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. What? Give careful thought to what? In other words, he's raising a flag and saying, everybody, pay attention. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. Look back if you've forgotten, and you wonder all the chaos and all the challenge that you have faced. Go back and take a look and see how you were before you started laying the stone. And we find that Haggai has something to say to us. Dr. Owen did a phenomenal job as it relates dealing with discouragement. And of course, the first week I, I shared with you that, that there was a backstory in 587, the, the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar uh, destroyed Judah, crushing the temple. He took the uh, temple mount. He took anything that a person that could relate and say, oh, that's where the temple was. They removed it so that you could not, no Jew could say, oh, that's where the temple was, or, or there's a statue, or there's an artifact from the altar. Nothing was left. And it was a magnificently beautiful temple costing what we would know today multiplied millions and millions of dollars. So the people of Judah, Israelites, they're under bondage to Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the Babylonians. And they're there for five decades. Five decades. Five decades would be how many years? You got it. Fifty years. One day all of a sudden God begins to move. And he says, all right, I want a portion of my people to go back to Jerusalem, which was considered the holy city, and to start rebuilding the temple. So it is, God has a way of moving on the minds even of ungodly people to have his will done. And they allowed several thousands of those individuals to go back to Jerusalem and begin to build the temple once again, not rebuild it, but to have to build it all over again. Well, they started strong. They got the foundation down. They got the altar in. And when they got the foundation down and the altar in, all of a sudden the Samaritans. Samaritans thought, though they don't, they don't even have an army over there. They don't have any defense. So we're going to oppose them. And here's what they did. You know, how many has ever had somebody get on your nerves? How many has ever had to get on your last nerve? Raise your hand. Now, buddy, when they get on your nerves and hit that last nerve, you're ready to say, I, I'm not tolerating this anymore. You know, they get under your skin. They get breathed down your neck. And that's what, that's what the Samaritans were doing. They decided to aggravate and oppose. And as they oppose, here's what, here's what the people of Israel, who've been delivered out of the Babylonian uh, captivity, said, we can't take this anymore. You know... This, if this, we're, we're just not capable of trying to rebuild that temple and put up with the Samaritans. And so Haggai comes along. He is a minor prophet, but God had a voice in the midst of challenge, and it was Haggai. Here's what he said. Now is the time. Okay, well, good enough for you. No, you listen. Now is the time. The time is now 
to rebuild and get out there and get started. Well, they were discouraged. And Dr. Owen dealt with that last week. This week, they, they copped a bad attitude, a loser attitude. And here's when you cop a bad attitude and you don't like what's going on. It sounds maybe something like this. God, you know, we're trying to do what you told us to do. But those aggravating people out there won't let up and they're creating havoc for us. Well, God, I think I obeyed you. I did everything that I knew that I was supposed to do, but things aren't working out well. And by the way, you said if we pray that we would hear from heaven. You said if we turn from our wicked way. Well, I've turned from most of my wicked ways, and I haven't seen any results whatsoever as a result of following you. And I, I need you to step to the plate, God. You know, God, I'm trying to do it your way. I went to church. I'm doing this. And listen, as far as I can tell, I've got over here a line down the center of the paper. I prayed, 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 served, 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 committed, committed, committed. And on your side of the ledger, I haven't seen anything. Well, that happens sometimes. One of the things that I get to do that I encourage all of you to do is I build relationships with people who don't go to church. People that are, you know, uh, they may, may profess Christianity, but you don't see any fruit. And, uh, and I build relationships with them. And, and I've won many of them to the Lord. And they're coming to church now and engaged. And I'm grateful to God for that. But there's a lot that I've gone out of the way to buy lunch for, to buy dinner for, uh, to visit with them. And when they haven't darkened the door of the church, call up and say, we really need you. And you show up and you give your best foot forward and you wrap your arms around them and say, yeah, I can help you. You know, I'll, I'll help you with the legal system because your son or daughter has been arrested and I'll make a few phone calls and see if we can help there and talk to some judges and, and just do everything that we can just to give a good word. And then, you know, they show up to church one service and then after all that's over, you don't see them anymore. And I, I'm, if, you're, if you were to ask me, does that frustrate you, Pastor? Oh, yes. I'm thinking, God, it seems like I'm putting a lot of time in with individuals and they're not responding positively any way, in any way, shape, or form. And I say, God, why don't I just invest all my time in the people that are worthy of the investment? How many of you know that's not right either? Well, I have a story of an individual friend of mine. He, of course, was witnessing to a guy on work, and he's a, he was a lay pastor and uh, pastoring a church, small church, and having to work, uh, you know, full part-time to make ends meet. And he witnessed to one of his buddies and witnessed, and finally the guy decided to go to church. And so he went to church, and, and the young friend, the pastor friend, thought, man, this is exciting. He went to him that week and said, man, I, I saw you Sunday. I want to say, you know, thank you for coming, and God bless you, you know. Let's, let's see if we can keep it up. And his friend said, well, I'm not coming back. He said, well, why, why aren't you coming back? He said, I, I went once. He said, I thought when I, if I went once, that'd take care of things. My girlfriend still won't have anything to do with me. I still am addicted to one thing after another. I still am flat broke. And nothing really has happened or transformed. I expected something to happen if I went. And the minister friend said, you know what? I'm going to be respectfully honest with you. Number one, you've been smoking dope for two years. Number two, your girlfriend, you went out on her with three different women. And number, number three, as long as I've known you, you've ignored God. 
and you've always spent more than you have, and you expect fully to come to church one hour, and you expect God all of a sudden to transform you and get a miracle. He said, well, that's what I thought you said. No, what I told you was come fall in love with God, not what God can do for you, and stay with it, and eventually life will change. Well, we all know that a lot of people believe that, you know. A lot of people come to faith and, wow, is it worth just really being, is it worth going back? Is it worth, you know, getting up? And, and we've been online, and I mean, it's really coming. Is it worth getting up and going back to church? Yes, sirree. You don't even have to pray about it. It is. Now, here's what, here's what the people that Haggai was speaking to, and this man, it's called, it's called this. It's called conditional obedience. Say that with me. Conditional obedience. Conditional obedience to whom? To God. Here's how it goes. All right, God, as long as you're delivering and it doesn't cost me too much, I want you to know that as long as you don't press me a whole lot, as long as the preacher doesn't preach too long, as long as I don't have to hit that altar, but the minute that they start taking those offerings and I get uncomfortable and I feel like that he's preaching at me, then I'm done. I'm done. Well, that's conditional obedience. Do you think God is going to do anything phenomenally in that person's life? <laughs> a young college student, he's pastor of a great church now, but he said when he was in college, the first two years of his college, he said, I was a party animal. He said, I, I had a little bit of money, and I, I drank, I partied, I had women, I had everything. He said, fortunately, I was one of those students. I didn't really have to read the books in order to make passing grades. It was, and he said, my college life, I really, really enjoyed it. But finally, one day, because of a friend continuing to witness to me, I genuinely gave my heart to Christ. And he said, I didn't even know when they said, you need to get saved. He thought, I didn't know I was in trouble and needed to get saved. Saved from what? He didn't understand it. But he said, all I know, I was radically saved. About six months into that. Are y'all out there? Anybody listening to me? Amen. Just want to be sure because the online's not saying amen at all. About six months into it, he's at church again and he sees this lady, a, 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 a mature woman. Now, I, I don't I don't know what age um, a mature woman is. I think she's probably, well, anyway, a mature woman. And he said, I watched her. He said, because I'm learning all this praise stuff. He said, her hands are raised and she's crying and et cetera. And when the praise was over, she's still just crying. And he said, all of a sudden, the only thing I can tell you is the voice said, give her what's in your wallet. He said, I thought, well, where, where did you come from? You know, he said it was the voice, not, not with the judges on television, but give her what's in your wallet. He said, I thought, well, there've been many times I've opened my wallet and thought, oh man, if you can do a miracle here, multiply nothing. He said, I very seldom had anything in there. And he said, I, I very confidently when he said, give her what's in your wallet, I thought, this will be a piece of cake. I opened up, there was a $5 bill. I didn't even know that I had. He said, I had no idea 
that I had it. I opened it up and there it was. I pulled it out. It was crisp. It was, it was new. And he said, when, when, the, when the service was over, he said, I, I went to her. He said, now, lady, this is not even my church. I'm not a member here. I, I just said, something said to me. It's all I know. She said, that had to be the Holy Spirit. He said, well, all I know, the voice said to me, to give you this $5, I'm, I'm trying to be obedient, I'm earning, I'm growing. He said, she took, she took that $5 and let out what I know now as a Holy Ghost shout. He said, I stepped back. It scared me to death. And said, then she took three steps forward, opened her arms up, and she gave me a bear hug. I thought, she's going to lift me off the ground. She said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Kissed me on both cheeks. He thought, and for $5, I get all this? She's still weeping, and she said, what you don't know is I asked God, should I come to church this morning because I have no gas in my car? And she said, and the Holy Spirit, that's what is the voice, son, said, no, you go. I'll provide. She said, in my time of praise and worship, I'm asking God, God, you're going to have to do something. And she said, when you walked up and you just gave me this $5, it once again reaffirmed me. I knew I didn't have enough to get to work. It just reaffirmed to me that God knew what my need was. It reaffirmed to me that, that God still speaks to somebody who can help you with a need. It still made me know that, that the God that I serve has not forgotten me. Thank you, thank you. Gave me another hug, and I thought, wow. He said, I was walking out, a man I've never met. Remember, this is not my church. He said, came up to me, and he said, uh, hey, son, uh, you go to the university? Yeah. He said, how about lunch tomorrow? When's your lunch break at school? He said, well, you know, my classes start at 1.30, so I'm available anytime before that. And he said, well, how about uh, where can I pick you up? You know, pick you up at noontime. I want to take you to lunch. He said, well, I mean, when you want to take me to lunch? I mean, gracious, I appreciate it, but that's really, you know, it's not necessary. He said, by the way, young man, I'm paying for it. He said, well, yeah, I'm available. He said, I, I didn't have any money. He said, so he picked me up. We went to lunch. And he said, why, why are you taking me to lunch? He said, I saw what you did for that lady. He said, you reached in your wallet and you gave her $5. You, you were obedient. I heard what you said. And he said, I, I just had to hear the story. And I'm going to buy you lunch. And he said, man, as I calculate, because I'm a mathematics major, he said, this is a pretty good deal. I got my $5 back at lunch and got $3.50 because the bill was $8.50. And I got a $3.50 bonus. He said, Namil, he said, what a way to go, God. He said, so I'm, I'm learning and God's doing, you know, it wasn't conditional obedience. I just stepped out there and was obedient to God. Isn't that wonderful when you have that in your heart? You see, here's what I know, that as God develops us, he develops the people of Israel, God takes us from one plane or plateau uh, to another. And you'll find in your spiritual growth as you become obedient to God, as they are and the people of Israel were endeavoring to be, as you become obedient, God will give you greater, greater opportunities. So here it is, same guy, a few years later. He's matured. He's actually involved in planning a church. He's at that visiting that same church, and there's a man 
that's in the back of the church. And he said, um, the voice spoke to me again and said, give that man everything in your wallet. He said, I looked over at that man. He was dressed better than I was. His hair was neater than mine. He was clean shaven. He said, I literally turned and said, what, what's that about? You want me to give him everything in my wallet? He said, yes. He said, you know that this week was my birthday. You know my parents sent me a $100 bill. You know that some of my friends gave me some 5, 10s, and 20s. You know that in my wallet right now is almost $200. And you want me to empty my wallet? You want me to empty my wallet and give it to him? Yes. That's what I want you to do. He said... I can't do that. He said, well, you gave the $5. He said, that's right. I got $5 faith. And I was a young Christian back then. Well, I want you to give everything in your wallet now. He said, I, I just can't do it. That's too much money. That's conditional obedience. He said, I did not do it. And boy, do I regret. Because ever since that day, I've asked myself the question many times, what would have happened to me had I been obedient to that? What was it that that man needed in his life that I could provide that I wasn't willing to just be all the way and come to realize that it was God who provides you see, he said, I missed a blessing, and that missing of that blessing haunts me even today, and God's blessed me abundantly. Somebody said, well, it's selective listening. Do you know men are good at selective listening, ladies? Have you ever said to a man or your husband, you know what, you didn't hear a word I said. And you know, chances are you didn't, sir, because you weren't paying attention. As a matter of fact, you're watching a particular program on television that you like to watch and she comes in unannounced, doesn't knock on the door where you're at, doesn't stand there and bow and curtsy to you and say, may I talk to you? She just walks up to you and starts talking and expect that you're going to listen to it. And you know what? We men, we just sometimes are blank. We try to talk our way out of it by saying, yeah, I know what you said. Well, what did I say then? We might have caught a couple of the high notes of it. But you see, you married a smart woman. She's going to ask the questions going to hang you. And she's going to stand there with her hand on the noose with a smile and say, once again, you're going to whip yourself. Selective listening. It's kind of like this. Oh, hallelujah. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Hallelujah. And God said, and I want you to give everything that's in your wallet today. Uh-oh. No, not today. Listen to this. Write it down. This is Facebook stuff. God does not give us options to consider, but commands 
to obey. As a matter of fact, it's right there on the screen. God doesn't give us options to consider, but commands to obey. How many of you know that God has the authority to speak into our life and direct us, and we need to pay attention to that? Well, here we go. Our situation is Haggai. Here he is. There is something that's taking place in the lives of these people, and here it is. You see, they'd get a running start. Sure, they laid the foundation and then built the altar. And then they became discouraged and they backed off. And you know what they'd do to every time they'd back off? They'd start worshiping other gods, other idols. Say, bring somebody in here. You know, we worship Jehovah. We can add a little bit here because we don't want to offend anybody. And they'd bring the others in. And, and as a result, they'd wander away from God. Listen to me, friend. There's only one God, and he is a jealous God. Amen. He's not willing to share you with anybody else. He loves you. And so here we go. It's what's called the corruptive power of sin. The corruptive power of sin. Say that with me. The corruptive power of sin. Now, you listening online, y'all stay close here now. Here we go. The corruptive power of sin is displayed in Scripture there in Haggai. Haggai 2 verse number 12. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robe, that's the setup. You priests, you had a robe that was pure, that was holy. And when, when they would take the meat to be sacrificed, there was a pocket often, pocket in that robe. And they would put that sacrifice in that pocket. But then if that robe brushes against something that's unholy, here was the big question. Does the holiness rub off on the unholiness and the unholiness becomes holy? The answer to that is no. You see, here's the example. If you wash your hands, you clean them up. I mean, everything is spotless and, and you've got that lavender base uh, soap. And smell. My hands smell really good. But you had spaghetti for dinner and you go over and pick the plates up from the table. And you take it over to the dishwasher, whatever you do, and you pick that up. And, and chances are you're going to get spaghetti juice, spaghetti sauce on your hands again. Now, listen, because your hands were clean and you went over and touched the plate that's messed up with spaghetti, did your hands make that plate clean? No. You had to put it in the dishwasher. Or you wash it by hand, which is often what I do. I wash it by hand. I don't put one bowl and a glass in the dishwasher for it to wash when I can wash it. Here's what he said. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good company. And bad company corrupts good character and so Haggai says in Haggai 2 14 so it is with this people and this nation in my sight declares the Lord whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled in other words he said you can do all your praising all your serving all your giving but if your robe is not holy, 
you won't get the benefit that you should get because you call yourself a Christian. Because you see, he said, holiness won't make an unholy article holy. The unholy article will corrupt. So he says that sin is a disease that corrupts. And unless sin is dealt with, then it doesn't matter what you do. Eventually, judgment will come home to roost. And he says it this way. It's Paul's writings in, in Matthew 5, or pardon me, Matthew 5, 24, Jesus said. He said, an individual came down to the offer, altar with his offering, and he put it on the altar to offer as a sacrifice unto God. But God said, you leave that there, but it is unacceptable. Now, you leave it there and you go back out there and you deal with all those broken relationships. You deal, you deal with all that anger. You deal with all that sin that you've got covered. You deal with that. And then you come back and I will receive your offering. And what he was saying to the people of Judah, the Israel, he's saying this. Hey, you don't dance with me and make people believe, hey, you're here to rebuild this temple and your heart is all in it. Because I know your heart's not. If you were determined to do my will, you would have never became, you would have never become discouraged. If you had my heart in mind when you first started, you wouldn't have backed up. You would have rejoiced. He said, as it is, unbelief and sin has corrupted you. That's why you can't stay on track. That's why it seems like you can never get, uh, you can never get to another plateau. You can never gain any ground. You can never advance financially. You can never advance materially. You can't advance in your life. He said, as a result of that, it's because that, hey, you do as Isaiah said. They serve me with their lips. Lip service, but they don't serve me with their heart. Now, this was a, a major issue. It's God, I don't mind serving you as long as it's convenient. We say, God, 100% you're in my life. Here, listen to our prayers. God, I need your favor. I need you to work here. I need you to do that. I need you to touch that person. I, I need you to redeem my kid. I need you to answer my prayer. And you know what they did? They kept a record. God, you didn't answer prayer. You didn't do it there. You didn't do it here. You didn't move there. So, hey, why should I sacrifice why should I go to church routinely? Why should I give? Why should I be so committed to prayer? Why should I be standing up front in the batter's box? Why should I make my life uncomfortable by honoring you first? Why should I do that, God? Because the way I look at it, I'm not getting much in return. And you know what God says? The reason you're not getting much in return is not my fault. It's your fault for the lack of total commitment.
You see Haggai 2.15. Remember? Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid upon another. You remember what they were doing? I shared it in the first week. They were eating and drinking, eating and not getting full, drinking and still thirsty. They had pockets and they'd put coins in it, but it didn't stay because they had holes in it. It ran through like sand. And he says, before the foundation, that's where you were. Your heart wasn't right. And when you hoped for 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. And when you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. You were doing everything you could, but you were not getting ahead. And God said, here's why. Listen up. Here's why Haggai 2, 17. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. God, are you getting in my way again? Are you standing in my way again? Is that why you're not doing what I ask you to do? You must hate me. Why do you hate me so much? I've been pretty good. I've been at it. I mean, look around some of my friends. I, I'm doing more than they're doing. You must hate me. Listen, friend, number one, you need, God doesn't hate you. The last person in the world that you want to hate you is God. Because God doesn't hate without judgment. Let me say it again. If God hated you, he would judge you. But we are not living in a dispensation of judgment, are we? We're living in a dispensation of mercy and grace. Where God's giving us a lot of running room. And say, practice up. And so in that regard, we know that God says, anything that happens to you that seems adverse, it's not to hurt you. It's to draw your attention back to me. It's to redeem you. It's to cause you to be reckoned in my life. It's to bring you to the fact, I have a relative he was in a bad lifestyle. He was practicing homosexuality and, and in the gutter on a wrecker highway. He was in a Mustang convertible. He was the passenger. His friend, 1.32 o'clock in the morning, was the driver. They'd stop for the red light. Car came through, 1.32 o'clock in the morning, rear-ended him. Now, this person in the passenger side that I'm aware of and know was raised in church. And more times than not, the Holy Spirit had convicted and confronted. Only a console no bigger than that separated them. His friend was killed instantly. My friend opened the door and got out with only a few scratches. And I said to him, can you not see that it was God that spared your life? I know. You think God has lost sight of you? No. 
then tell me something. As a result of God saving your life, can you not see the love of Jesus Christ? I do. But I'm not ready. God's never doing anything in your life to hurt you because that would be against his word. You see, it wasn't that God was trying to punish his people. He was trying to restore them. And anything in your life that gets wobbly, you look and you think, what's God doing? Restore. Why does COVID-19 seem to have a grip? Let me tell you one reason. God is saying to America, let me restore you. Let me bring restoration to you. I pray every day, God, I curse COVID-19 and, and commit and say that it goes back to hell. Amen. And it's still there. And I will pray that prayer until the day that it doesn't exist anymore. But my prayer is also, God, hallelujah, those of us who are in Christianity don't let us miss an opportunity that might be served up on a platter of disease. Are you all with me? And the people of God, Jesus stood over Jerusalem. What did he do? He stood over Jerusalem. He looked down on the city. And what does it say that Jesus did when he looked over that city? He wept. Do you think he couldn't have just thrown judgment out there? No. He looked and he saw the potential in that holy city and knew that it would be destroyed one day. He wept and thinking, you have everything you need to really get it right. And in his day, you even have the Messiah. And you still are blind to the reality. God wasn't trying to punish. He was trying to restore. And so here's what you don't need to say. God hates me. God's against me. No, he's not. God is, God is for you. He honors you. He loves you. All right? We know that they're going to build the temple, and they're going to build the altar, and they're going to get going, and they're going to stay in the game. They're not going to be discouraged. You heard that last week. Be strong. Put a stone down and put another stone down and be faithful. Stay in the game, as you heard last week. This is Facebook-worthy here. Here it is. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. You can't be on target occasionally and expect to see anything phenomenally in the Spirit. Stay with it. Honor the Lord. And then finally, would you stand Here's what he said. Haggai sharing with them the truth. That's right, guys, really hang in there now. And this is what he said. 
I told the worship singers this morning, I've seen a lot of people that do not address God at all. I've seen a lot of people that are sinful, sinners. I've seen many of them, you know, yeah, I know God, yeah, but don't push too hard. And I've seen some of them get miracles. Miracles with God. And then I've had some over here that are really committed to God. and They didn't necessarily get a miracle. And sometimes you just kind of scratch your head. You think, God, how is it that I know? I, I see no fruit. I mean, no fruit. And we prayed for them. And they got a miracle. And these over here we prayed for, and they have it. But let me just tell you, don't get caught up with that. Rebuke that thought, because it rains on the just and the unjust. But here's what he said. Let me ask this question. If you had to be perfect in order to get God's favor and blessing how blessed would you be well, the answer is zero because I don't meet the requirements I'm not perfect but what does God do here's what God says I love you I love you and if you never pay any attention to me, until the day of judgment comes, I'm going to favor you because I love you. And this is what he told these people. He said, you have seed in your barns. And you've never even planted the seeds. And I'm going to give you a phenomenal harvest out of the seeds in the barn that are still in the bag. I'm going to give you abundance of something that you have never earned that you don't even know that you own. And it's going to come back and bless you. And he said to them, all I'm asking you to do is to get out there and start building that temple. And don't give up and watch what I am able to do. My friend, that's the God that you serve. Can you say amen? Let's put our hands together and let's thank him for that. I'm going to ask you to pray and just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you today because I know that you're aware of every need that we have. You're aware of what's in our heart or the lack thereof. You're aware of our plans and you're aware of our future. And some in this room, they, have, they need some ideas in what you want them to do next step. And that's a crucial step. Well, we know that the way to get direction from the voice is to be obedient and faithful with what we already have.
And if we're faithful and obedient with what we already have, their seed in the storehouse of that person's life that will bring a harvest before it's ever planted. I pray that you would help us all honor you, serve you, and be obedient. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Everybody after me, would you do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross and redeeming me. I desire to serve you. I humble my heart in the name of Jesus to do your will. I will honor you. My life will change because I will listen to Almighty God. Now, Lord Jesus, redeem me and restore me to full spiritual health. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, listen, we're going to have one more song. Randy's going to give the benediction after the song. And I'm going to ask you to leave here and let this message seep in your heart. And I want you to pray Wednesday, and I want you to pray Sunday for the new series. And I want you to say, God, what is it that you needed to say to me today? And then you take that and you use it for God's honor and glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. Here we go.
season we declare that we'll worship you with everything that we have you know that you're with us even when we don't feel like you're there God we trust you we honor you in Jesus mighty name if you love the Lord why don't you put your hands together for him this morning come on one more time he's worthy thank you so much for being here God bless you we hope that you'll join us back on Wednesday have an awesome day come on This entire series has been a reminder and a challenge to us to trust Jesus and to follow his leading and timing and to let him show you the best way to live. We aren't meant to get stuck in the valleys and God has great plans for your life. If you decided to follow Jesus today, congratulations, you've just made the most important decision of your life. Would you take a moment and post a comment online or send a quick text to 863-400-1226 and let us know because we want to celebrate with you and help you through the next steps of your faith journey. And before you go today, set a reminder to join us live in person or online this Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek service. Have a great day.